I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live for the Pleasure of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, March the 6th. As we record this podcast, we Ferber and I are hoping that the train will leave on time tomorrow to take us to Brooklyn. Um, weather be... Um, but I can't. Can I say damned? I can't. I can. I, I just did. Anyway, um, tonight we're going to talk about the uh, pending ACC tournament, which I guess technically is already going on. But we, you know, we kind of don't pretend. We, we kind of pretend like that's actually not a thing. Um, let's go around and introduce everybody. We'll start up in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm pretty good for a guy who doesn't get to go to Brooklyn. I appreciate you asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? And staff writer Justin Ferber from Arlington is also on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well for somebody that. Is still hoping to get to Brooklyn <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully the, the train will leave. Ferber and I will be on it. Um, we will arrive in uh, Penn Station and make our way to the Barclays Center um, tomorrow night. We'll, we'll watch Tech and, and Notre Dame. Uh, and then uh, who's the night game? Ferber? Is it NC State? North Carolina and Carolina. the winner of the Syracuse weight game that's going on right okay. now. Okay, which is going to be Syracuse because they're up Correct. like 15 and they're, it's Wake Forest. So, and then Virginia obviously will open uh, on uh, Thursday at noon against either Florida State or Louisville who play tomorrow. Um, let's go in. Let's. Go, I want to get into the ACC tournament in, in a second. That's going to be the bulk of what we're going to talk about. All ACC got released over the weekend. Um the panel picks the official all ACC team that 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 uh, included the 15 coaches, um, all of the major awards that you would expect went the way you would expect them to go, except for I mean, I guess you, you can call first team um, a major award. I personally didn't expect Kyle to be the, if, you, if Virginia got one for, for guy to be it instead of Devin Hall. Um, Axma, of which I'm a member and voted, um, had it reversed. Um, I don't know the. The other differences between the two, but coach of the year, uh, player of the year, rookie of the year, six man of the year, defensive player of the year, all were the same in those as well. Um, any quibbles, uh, Ferber, we'll start with you. Any quibbles with um, with the All-ACC voting this year? Not really. Um, mine was a little bit different than, than what we had, but... You, you still know. pretty much nailed it, though. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, uh, I mean, the, I had the, the five uh, guys on the first team, the coach... The six man, the player, the most improved, um, the defensive player, but yeah, I mean the the differences were minimal, and I didn't really have any issues. I mean, like, this is one of those things where I'm not gonna, you know, like disparage somebody most of the time for things that you vote for, like, um, you know, if you put Grayson Allen on your second team or Ty Jerome on your second team or. You know, you want to put Ty's battle on your first team. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, as long as you can kind of justify it. Um, I mean, obviously, the ones where it's just, like, glaring. Um, you know, like, if somebody had voted for, I don't know, Jim Christian for ACC Coach of the Year or something, that would have been weird. Or if somebody voted for uh, DeAndre Hunter for Rookie of the Year, which someone did. Um, you know, those are odd. But, no, no issues whatsoever. What about you, Dave? Did you take any issue with the uh, the way the folks voted? Oh, I got some issues. No, um, Kyle got me on the first team is fine with me. You know, last week in the podcast, he was one I could see moving out. Um, but I, I think it's a sign that look, people said, "Hey, Virginia's the best team. Let's look at the stats." Oh yeah, Kyle guy's the leading scorer. He's probably the first team guy. Um, no offense to Kyle, he had a great year. You know, his offensively, he, he kind of struggled down the down the stretch, but offensively, he he, he had a 
wonderful year dynamic at times. You know, early in the year he missing twos and hitting threes, and it kind of reversed at the end. But his defense w- was so improved. So I, I, I would have been okay with Devin and Kyle switching spots, but I think what concerns me more is like the fact that well, not concerns me, but what what I quibble with more is that Devin wasn't like six and just missed it. He was what eighth, eighth or ninth? I mean, he, eighth and closer to ninth and tenth than he was to to sixth, fifth, which very much surprises me, and I think is. Maybe maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but I, I think it's a sign that a lot, not enough people watch us play. Well, I don't think that... Defend your I mean, brethren. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think a lot of people watch a lot of games, honestly. Like, me, yeah, you're right about that. I don't think, yeah. like, for I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but I don't think, like... Doug Dowdy's watching like a lot of Florida State games when he's not working, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, like I try my best to watch. Um, like, if Virginia's going to play Florida State on Saturday, I'll try to watch them on a Tuesday night if they're playing. Right? Like, I try to be familiar with the teams, but typically I do it in the in sort of the the prism of when UVA plays them. Now, I I watch more basketball than that. I mean, I definitely have days where I'm I'm or nights where I'm watching games that don't have anything to do with UVA, but I think that's a, that's a pretty um, typical symptom. I, I think that, and this is going to seem somewhat um, sacrilegious here, um, but I, I think, I think that like, if you have to say, well, you should, if any, anybody who watched the games versus looked at the stats would have put so-and-so on, I don't know if that's necessarily as compelling an argument as we think it is. Like, I, I agree. If you were going to have to choose one between the two, it probably should have been been Devin. He's the best two way player I think in the league. Um, but if the numbers, I mean, I think that was ultimately what happened, right? You, you everybody assumed like, all right, well, Virginia needs at least one spot on this five because um, you can't just have two Duke kids, two Carolina kids, and a Boston College kid when UVA wins the league by four. Um, so I, I think what happened is voters just went, okay, who's the best player on on that team? And for I think most people would say that that Kyle is at least at this point. The way Jerome came on later in the year, I mean, you know, I think you can make a compelling case for him. Um, but at the same time, like, I think we're all sort of impacted by the recency. Like, Kyle has struggled the last part of the season, but earlier in the year, I mean, he, he was pretty strong. Uh, it's even in ACC play. Um, and he's got, and like, like Dave said, I mean, his defense has gotten better. So I don't, I don't have any problem with him being first team. I, I think it would have been a nice, um, it would have been a nice uh, honor for, for Devin to, to sort of, to get that recognition because he's worked hard, but it's also, I mean, we, we get all frustrated, right. When people make these things into career awards. Um, I, I think he had a hell of a season and that's why I voted for him for first team. Um, I, I think the, the only quibble I really had was um, whoever, whoever voted for Deandre for rookie of the year. I, I'm not sure um, on the Axma voting four people voted for Luke may to be defensive player of the year which I watch enough Carolina games, right? That is not realistic. Um, but those two were really the only two that I thought were um, outlandish at all. I, I do think, though, that um, that tip that it, it you're going to have you're going to have one. You're going to have people that make mistakes. And I will I will own the, I will own this right now. So I got, so I got done with my team. I hit the button, sent in the sent in my votes. And then I realized I didn't have Grayson Allen on any of them. And I got quite the little belly laugh out of that. Oops. Um, yeah, oops. That's exactly what I was like, oh, oops. Now, you could probably make an argument that for most of the season he wasn't an all-ACC caliber player, but he definitely 
at times was later on. Um, so he should I mean, be third team. I mean, I, that's like, a, that's what I yeah I should have had him on third team. And I remember as, as what's funny is that like if you depending on how you do what your process is, I mean. You just try to name a bunch of dudes, like you're gonna miss somebody. And yeah, I mean, we probably went through like what thirty names. Yeah, we talked about a lot. I mean, and I have been thinking about it for like two days, right? And I mean, I mean, it's one when you're picking first, second, and third team, like that's a lot of dudes. And you think it's not gonna be that hard, but it ultimately is. So I, maybe maybe somebody missed up, you know, made a mistake and and didn't have. That's why Devin ended up where he was. But ultimately. I said before before the end of the year, I was like, well, this could you could totally see a scenario where UVA finishes like runs away with the league but doesn't get anybody on first team. And it almost came to pass. Um, but at least at least everybody came around um, on Tony winning coach of the year, which would have been a travesty if he hadn't done it. Yeah, yeah that right. would have been the only one that really like m- like upset me. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, if they had finished like 15 and three or 14 and four and won the league, you could you could definitely talk me into somebody else. Uh, but 17 and one, like, you know, a lot has been made over the years that K hasn't won one since what, like 2000. And I'm not somebody that thinks that's necessarily the right way to do it. I mean, he's obviously had excellent teams during that time. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's done a good job coaching teams from maybe like underachieving to overachieving or, you know, whatever. Um, he probably was the most deserving sometimes, but like if they had gone seventeen and one this year, like UVA did, and UVA had gone twelve and six, I think I probably would have voted for K over Keats, just because seventeen and one and a four game win is just so much harder than I agree. anything else. Yeah. yeah, and I voted. I've I've voted and for same Krzyzewski. for Roy, obviously. Yeah, I've I voted for both of them for Coach of the Year. It just so happens last few years Tony's been clearly the best coach in the league, and somebody tried to tell me like, well, you know, for for. For Carolina to, to end up, you know, being a, a to finish third after losing their entire front line, I'm like, oh, first off, they had the most outstanding Six. player. Well, technically, right? But they had the most outstanding player from last year's championship game back, and they also had the guy who hit the game-winning shot back, and they had a lot of talent. Like, I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me that being an also-ran at the top of the ha- top half of the league is somehow, like, an achievement for a dude who was in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Like and a team that was in the top ten. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's not um, like they. It's not like they started zero and six with a bunch of injuries and then turned it on. Like they lost. Right. They lost their last two games. Of exactly. The and one of them, they had a nice lead. Um, at yeah, that, the same people who voted Co- Tony Coach of the Year also picked us to finish sixth in the preseason. So <laughs> you know, you can't really not vote him Coach of the Year if you've picked him sixth in the preseason because then then the. Yeah. Then it comes and back yeah, to and, what and about we you? Talked, we talked about this last week, but that was my whole argument. You can't say like, well, we got to put Tony up there with Kay and Roy, where it's like, you know, unless they do something monumental, then you can't vote for them for Coach of the Year. But if that's the case, then they wouldn't be voted sixth ever, because <laughs> like yeah. Carolina could lose every player on their team next year and they won't be voted sixth. Yeah. Like they're going to be voted like third. Um, and also what UVA did this year is monumental. It's not like, oh, they won the game, the league by a game or them and Duke tied, but they had an easier schedule and, or whatever. No, they, they, like I said on Twitter after the the Notre Dame, they lapped the field on the way to the title. So they beat everybody in the ACC period. Right. Yeah. Let's, uh, speaking of, uh, the ACC, let's talk about the ACC tournament. Um, which is, as we said, currently, uh, being, um, uh, undertaken uh, in the Barclays Center. Um, 
right, I want to go through. I mean, we can't quite go game by game because there's still obviously a lot that gets to fill in. But if you had to take two teams to make the championship, all right, two teams to make the championship, which two would you take and why? Um, Dave, you want to start? My God, are you going for the shortest segment in, pod, in podcast history? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I just, I'm genuinely curious because, like, I look at this field, right, and I and I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking so your at lead the, in is going to be longer than my answer, Virginia Duke. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, there was a part of why. Okay, there was a part of why. But anyway, my point was, that I, I think from the from Virginia's half of the bracket, Virginia has to be the favorite, and it's not even close. From the other half of the bracket, like there are a legitimately four teams in that group that I could totally see winning the whole thing. But anyway, tell all right. So you, Dave, Dave, you, your own record, UVA and Duke. Tell me, tell me why those two teams. Why do you think it's chalk? Yeah, I mean, if you're making me pick two, that's how I have to go. Yeah, I still think Virginia's toughest game before the final is. It's the first one, whether it's Florida State or Louisville, just because of the, because we don't know what's going on with Kyle's knee and a little bit of you know five or was it four or five days between games, um, playing against a team that's going to be coming off a win with a little bit of momentum. That's a tough game, but I, I do like Virginia if they get through that game. Clemson, NC State, or BC, I guess they could face. Um, you know, game two against Virginia, who, who would have confidence if they were there. That's pretty. Pretty good, and then uh, Duke. I just think Duke is speaking and it's ACC tourney. That's what that's what Coach Coach K does. Like, yeah, I, I don't like the guy, but that's what he does. Yeah, Ferber, what do you think? You got the same too? Yeah, I mean, you could make a case. Um, I think you could make a case for North Carolina, obviously, but the fact that they're the sixth seed now, it, it makes it tough. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, if you look at their path, they have to go through Syracuse, which is a team they should beat, but you know the way they play is a challenge. You know they they're gonna they're gonna make you find good shots against the zone. Um, you don't really get an opportunity to get out and run as much. They have athletic players that can score. Um, so I think Carolina will win that game, but it's not necessarily they're not playing Wake Forest. Um, and then you got to go play Miami, who I think that they will beat. I think they'll beat Miami um, just because of what happened last time they played, and I think Carolina is the better team. Um, as long as they don't have to play like a triple overtime game against Syracuse, I think they'll beat Miami. But I just I can't imagine them getting to Duke and being in a position where they could beat you know beat Duke for the in their third straight game. I just don't see that happening. Um, now I, I will say this: Duke is the favorite in that bracket, and I think that UVA is the favorite in the other bracket. And like Dave said, I think UVA's toughest game could be their Thursday game. Because either Florida State or Louisville, it doesn't matter who wins that game. Both of those teams played UVA tough in the regular season. Both have athletic players. Both are well coached, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Padgett's done a good job, even though he's not as proven. And uh, obviously Louisville, I mean, there's some other factors that play with them. For one, trying to get into the NCAA tournament. And two, um, I mean, where are they mentally after that game they just played against UVA where they could come out and be like, you know, it could be in their head and it could hurt them or they could come out and pissed off about how that game ended and, and try to take it out on them. And then like Dave said with Kyle, you know, that's kind of a, a to be determined. But yeah, I think if they get through that game, they'll be all right. But on the other side, you know, I said Duke's the favorite, but whoever wins that Virginia Tech-Notre Dame game could give them some trouble. Um Especially, mm-hmm. I think, if it's Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were pretty good on Saturday at JPJ. Um, obviously, today, it seemed like they kind of slept walk through the game against Pitt. I didn't really get to see it. Um, but 
you know, they have the talent. The only the only concern I would have for them is it would be their third game in three days if they beat Tech. And I kind of do think they will beat Tech. Obviously, um, I think that'll be a good game. Um, I wouldn't, and I think if Tech beats Notre Dame, they could give Duke a game. So, I have a Virginia Tech Miami uh, semifinal. Now I know that the that the that the cards are, are that that's, that the the planets have aligned for you to have a Virginia NC State in the um, early session and Duke Carolina in the in the late session, and in honestly, Brooklyn. <laughs> yes, I would love that. Right, I would absolutely love that. All right, I, that would have been the greatest Greensboro tournament ever. Right, the, the ever. building would have cr- would have crumbled to the ground from just the noise alone. Um, but I mean, I'll be honest, man, like. Duke has this weird ability to both like at times look like they're they're going to conquer the world and then like also give you like these really weird hints that like they could all fall apart any second. And I'm not saying that that Virginia Tech is a greatest matchup for them, but there's something about what Tech does that that I think do, that gets under Duke's skin. Um, now, I realize that when they were in Durham, it didn't go it didn't go that well, but that was a different team in a lot of ways. And I and I'm not. I'm not caping up for for the Hokies by any stretch, but I just feel like um, if they if they get by Notre Dame and I and, and the best thing that ha- might happen for Duke is for Notre Dame to beat them because then Notre Dame's playing their third game in three days, you know that that's a that's going to be such a tough challenge against what the the system that Duke runs. Um, although I would like to see Colson against that zone, but I don't know, man. Like I just I, I think it's too easy to just to say chalk, and there's just too much in my brain that's like. I don't know, overthinking it or some nonsense, you know? And also like, it seems like every year we go up there or wherever down there, um, it, there's a, you, you feel like you know where it's going to go. And then there's one game that just, you're like, Oh wow. Like didn't see that one coming. And we Um, almost got that today with Notre Dame and Pitt. Yeah. And, and so like, as an example, I remember in DC two years ago, it was, um, Notre Dame beating Duke in the quarters. Duke was the four seed, but they were, they were damn good. I mean, like they were a really good team, and Notre Dame was kind of like, ah, eh, they they did all right this year, but nothing too special. And Bonzi went off on them, and oh my god, who was that guy they had? Um, he had that monster block, and he just started screaming. Uh, the dude Zach August. Yeah, Zach um, August. Yeah. And that game, I was like, oh wow, didn't see that one coming. And then like the year before that, there was another game where it was like Duke lost to somebody. They weren't supposed to lose to out of nowhere. So it just seems like every year that it's like, oh, Duke and Carolina are going to play in the semis or in the final, and it just like something derails it. Yeah, it know? just doesn't materialize that way. Also, somebody I don't I'm I'm blanking now on who tweeted it out, um, but somebody tweeted that since Tony Bennett came to UVA, um, the five seed or the four seed has only won two total games in the ACC tournament. So over the last like ten years. The four seed is only two games. And that makes sense because think about it. UVA was the four seed a few times under Tony, and they, they always lost their first game. Um, to Because remember, they never made the semis until they were the one seed. So, Yeah, right. a quick review shows that like since they went to the double bye, because all the, you know, never having enough teams for the first couple of years. Um, since they went to the double bye, there's only been one year where the, where the top four made all one that first game. So... I mean, it's only been it's a small sample size, but yeah, one of the top four is likely to lose in the first round, historically speaking. Well, for my own personal sanity, I hope it's not Virginia. <laughs> um, I, I I don't. I also think as you look at this tournament, um, 
I don't want to ignore the elephant in the room, which, which to me is that why are they playing this in Brooklyn? And I realize that that's a tired sort of talk radio topic, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to just retread stuff. Um, it just seems, I don't know, it just seems, um, it just seems like it doesn't make sense, right? Um, like, Ferber made this joke a few minutes ago when he said the you know, you, you could have Virginia, NC State in seven, and Duke Carolina at nine, and then he said in Brooklyn. And... Maybe this is fueled because I'm, you know, trying to make sure our train leaves on time and, you know, there's just a whole lot of logistical nonsense. But, like, I don't understand what the league really gets out of having the tournament in New York or Brooklyn or whatever. Like, are are fans more likely to go to a place where there's lots of – because, like – I mean, I, I, there's, I haven't been to the ACC tournament when it's been in Brooklyn, but like, there's a lot of like conversation among people who are like, yeah, nobody in the, nobody in Brooklyn knows that it's happening. Like nobody cares. Like, it's not like you're going to the city and like you're taking over New York, you know, like you're, you're essentially just playing a basketball game in a building. You can play that. You could have that building anywhere. And I look at Greensboro and I understand that there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, there are no bars. Yeah, there's no, okay. Well, you know what? You're going there for basketball, man. Like, do you want to go see good basketball? And you want to do it in a in a in a in a nice and like I think Greensboro is like the perfect size arena for a conference tournament. You know, you've got what six, eight, eight fan bases within driving distance, so more than half the league. Um, and the other ones are you know they don't really travel all that great anyway. Um, I mean, I just I look at this thing and I'm like, it just it's gonna feel. It. I understand that this is the second year they did it, but I really hope they don't do it again. What do you guys think? I would love to weigh in on this one. I mean, so, I mean, look, we all as ACC guys, you know, I'm in my, you know, young 40s, almost mid 40s. Um, you know, Carolina has always been the epicenter of the ACC. And when you're bad, that is the most annoying thing in the world. But when your team is better than them, the last thing I want to do is go beat them in Brooklyn. I want to beat them in their backyard. Um, but that aside, the thing that annoys me the most is go back to that first year. You know, you guys, you know, on the sporting goods store, March is our busiest month of the year. So very rarely do I get to leave and go to an entire tournament. Go back to our first tournament win. You know, we play, what was it, Pitt we played on Saturday before we played yeah. Duke in the final. You know, uh, working in the store, we beat Pitt, go crazy. Shut down, you know, close for the night, get in my car, drive to Greensboro, go out in Greensboro that night, go to the game the next day, Virginia wins. Like, trust me, if Virginia gets to the final, I'm not, you know, first of all, they moved it up a day, which is great for TV, but not fun for, for my life. Um, but even even if it wasn't on Sunday, there's no way I'm getting my car and driving to Brooklyn on Saturday night. Um, and it's just little things like that. Now, obviously, I'm a dude in, in Virginia, so driving to Greensboro makes a lot more sense. But it's just... I kind of like the fact that when you're in Greensboro, there's not much to do. But guess what? There there are bars in Greensboro, and when you're there, you're there because of the tournament. You see player, you see fans from the other teams. I'm not there to interact with. I'm not going to a city to interact with some hipster who lives, you know, lives a couple blocks over and is having a martini. No offense to the guys who like martinis. But that's not what I'm. I don't think that's, I don't that's think martinis are a hipster thing. Yeah, they well, just drink beers. I was gonna say, yeah. You should have said PBR or something. All right. 
I drink PBR. It depends on the bar you drink the PBR in, right? If, I, if I'm drinking it in a you can, can definitely with a paper get PBR bag of food. In There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I had several that night. Um, also, shout out to it, Natty Greens, which makes excellent beers and, it's, yeah. and is in Greensboro. So. Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn, just look, I understand. Doing it once or, you know, doing it once would be fun. You know, one year would be fun. But, like, it, it should, and I hate to say it, I, I don't like the all Carolina conference stuff that I grew up with, but we're good now. I want to be down. I want to beat them in their hometown. Can we also talk about? Yeah, let, so let's just call the spade a spade. I, Hold on, like, dude, if we're gonna go to New York, right? If if we're gonna have this conference tournament in New York, why why are we having it at the Barclays Center? Like, if yeah, you can't get the MSG, then just don't go. Like, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be in the Mecca, the Barclays Center. I mean, that's nice enough, I guess. But like, I mean, who wants to go play where the Nets play? And I don't mean that as any disrespect to Joe and his boys, but like, come on, man! Like, if you're gonna do it, do it. And like, this this is this is part of my bigger reason for bringing this up. And further, I realize I cut you off, and I'll come back to you in a second. But like, like the NCAA tournament is one of the few things that like you can't screw up because it's it's just perfect, right? All you need to do is basically just let a bunch of teams play basketball, and, and, and it's awesome. But what, what is up with basketball, though? Like, college basketball is, is, is just, like, screwing it up left and right. You got the ACC going to Brooklyn for no reason. You got the Big Ten playing a week early just so they can play at MSG, which, as conferences wind down, that was kind of nice to be able to watch them a little bit. But now they got two weeks off for no apparent reason, right? And then you got – you got the the selection show folks just, they're going they're going to move it to TBS and now they're going to they're going to tell you all the teams that are in it and then they're going to show you the bracket like what like this is not hard like this is actually the easiest thing in sports like it, it it's it's a self-sustaining sort of model you just keep doing it you could do the same exact thing every year and nobody would like it any less and you're not going to grow the the thing doing it this way like you're not going to go to Brooklyn and and what pick up some fans who you know who are living in Bed-Stuy and you know doing their thing but you know what hey man the ACC tournament is here I, I think I want to watch some Clemson basketball like that's just not going to happen you move the thing to TBS and nobody's going to be like oh you know what I really like this way that they did it where they showed me all the teams instead of doing it the traditional way which was exciting like the the it's like I can't get around I can't get my mind around like why these college like and they're going to have this like they're going to have this like sort of um, moment, right? When this all comes ahead and they're like, oh man, we really screwed that up. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like an evil surprise. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get it. You're, you're not, you're not going to be happy with it, but you're going to get it. Anyway, Ferber, what were you going to say? Nah, yeah, I, I was just going to, um, on the tournament being in Brooklyn, it doesn't really bother me that much that it's in Brooklyn. The thing that's weird to me is that it's, they did it twice. Um, like they doubled down on it. And that's honestly one of the reasons I didn't go last year. And now I'm really glad I didn't because they were the sixth seed and got bounced really early. So, you know, it's cool that to go now. I, I like New York, you know, it's cool, it'll be fun. Um, ask me next week if, if I have a different opinion <laughs> on that. But um I, I mean I agree with what you said about Greensboro. Um and I don't think necessarily, I don't know what John Swafford's thinking is. I'm sure there are quotes you can find um, where he echoes what you just said. But I don't know if they're necessarily trying to get new fans. I think they're just trying to, like, I honestly feel like they feel like they need to mix it up. Like, they just need to, like, go into a new market um, and, and try something different. I think it's cool for the teams. Like, you know, go somewhere different. I'm sure they'd rather go to Brooklyn um, or New York in general. But, um you know, and one of the things that is kind of 
uh, underrated or, or maybe not discussed enough in this going to Brooklyn thing. I think, honestly, when they did that, they expected Pittsburgh and Syracuse to be better. And yeah, they just true. have not been good. I mean, Syracuse would pack that place if they were the two seed. Um, but they're just not good enough. I mean, like their their team has just been so blah since they joined the ACC, except for that first year. Um, and it just hasn't worked out. Now, I mean, Greensboro, like if you say Greensboro is not a big enough city, like I get all that. I think the Greensboro Coliseum is awesome. It actually holds more people than, you know, like a lot of other or NBA arena, for example, because it doesn't have suites right. and stuff. But um I think it's cool. And that might be too. If, and that might be part of it too, that they don't have the suites and they want to have the, you know what I'm saying? Like they might want that option. Um, yeah. And, and I going. understand there's probably some travel stuff. You know, it's like teams got to go to Greensboro and you know, it's just like a weird place to go. But I, I mean, at the same time, you know, it, it, I think Brooklyn, it's not perfect. And there are other places I'd rather be. Uh, it's not as bad as the SEC going to St. Louis. Um, it's... It's probably, and it's not as good as the Pac-12 doing theirs in Vegas every year, which is an awesome idea. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be fine. We'll see. And, and then next year it'll be in Charlotte, which is kind of like Greensboro without the character. So I'm not really sure, like, what that'll be like. I mean, Charlotte's a big enough city, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of like playing it in a random NBA. Like, in Brooklyn, at least you're in New York. Um, right. Charlotte, it's close, but it's like... I don't really know what why that's better than Greensboro. And then, of course, it'll return to Greensboro. And the only other thing I have to say about this is um, this is coming from a very biased perspective, but all of the stuff that Dave said that people want and not having to be the All-Carolina Conference and being close to all the teams, D.C., man, it's got it all. Honestly, if I had my if I had a magic wand, they would play it. They would they would rotate it. Greensboro, DC, Atlanta. Greensboro, DC, Atlanta. Greensboro, DC, Atlanta. And I, and I know and if I had a magic yeah, wand, yeah, I mean, they build an arena. To, yeah, I'm not Go naive ahead. enough to think they would play it in DC every year because the Carolina fans, not Carolina University of Carolina, just everybody in that state would bitch and bitch and bitch about it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just the, it's the way it is. Um, if I had and, a, and, the, and the offices are in Greensboro, I get all that. I, I think exactly what what uh, Brad just said. I would go Greensboro, Charlotte, DC. Greensboro, Charlotte, Atlanta. You know, just throw it. Atlanta. I don't. It's cool. Like I like Atlanta as a city, and it's in the footprint. But I feel like it would just become. It's just very south. So like it, you know, you would have to kind of. It's easy to get there, but it's kind of like you would have to. It doesn't have the draw that New York has. It'd be good for UVA because they have a ton of alums in the area, though. Well, and it, uh, and also too, it would be good because it would it, you you could move it around and still somewhat keep it symmetry located, right? Because you're not going to find, I mean, unless you want to go play it in Trenton, New Jersey, but like you're not going to find many places where you can play it and and kind of cater to the to the Boston College, Syracuse uh, side of things, right? But like to me, moving between DC, Greensboro, and Atlanta, what that does is it keeps you in in ba- Greensboro is whether we whether folks like it or not the essentially the the spiritual home of the ACC and it's always going to be DC and Atlanta have you know uh international airports public transit uh there's a lot to do in those two cities um and tons of alums yeah and and they have yeah exactly so like it's it's a and it and it's it, they are they are they are hubs you know so there's it, they're easy to get to it's easy to get around they are the perfect sort of um um accompaniment to to greensboro you can move it around so that the carolina teams aren't at home every year right which is what basically 
a lot of people have, have griped about. But you can also have it so that like it's we're, like folks are used to the fact that that the ACC goes from here to here to here to here. We don't. Nobody needs to go to Brooklyn. Nobody needs to go to Sarasota, Florida. Nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like you can keep doing like tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition. And I feel like if you want to create a new tradition, that's fine. You just got to figure out what it is, stick to it, and ride it out that way. Yeah. Someone build an arena in Richmond or Virginia Beach that can attract the ACC tournament like once every ten years. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's that nice. honestly like, that's that's another the most thing central about, location. It's Virginia. That's another thing about DC is like it has the, the arena. The arena is downtown, so you get all that bar stuff that you want, like culture. Um, which I you know I live four miles from there, so I, I know that that's a thing. Um, and people, you know, they want to go out and do stuff. Um, the only gripe I had about the tournament when it was in DC is living here. It didn't feel like as much of an event as just going to a game because like, you know, I just literally just got in an Uber and went, you know, it's just right down the street. So I wasn't like in a hotel, but obviously much cheaper, but at the same time, you know, that it, like, like you said, it's not in North Carolina. So that, you know, is kind of an advantage to itself, but also, and, and we don't know what it'll be like in a few years, but I can tell you right now as somebody who lives here. There is a void right now in basketball. The Wizards are good, you know. They'll they'll get more attention during like the playoffs, but Maryland has been so irrelevant. And they used to be very very relevant, and they're just not anymore. Like people don't care. They're like, "Up, oh, they're mediocre again. Up, oh, they're mediocre again." And it just keeps going like that. Georgetown is worse. It's a worse version of that. <laughs> so like, and when the ACC tournament was here, people talked about it, you know? And then, obviously, there are a lot of alums. And then you get the Maryland people, like, reminiscing about how they used to be in the ACC and they kind of wish they still were. So I think it actually could, you can make a dent here. Whereas, like in like you said, in Brooklyn, I don't think it matters at all. Well, I want to, the last segment of the show, I want to focus a little bit more on UVA specifically. We, we obviously, we saw Kyle Guy go down with a, a, a knee injury on, on Saturday. Um, MCL sprain is, I think what he said, um, yesterday when we talked to him, he seemed pretty resolute about the fact that he was going to play. And I caught a lot of flack on, on social media and elsewhere about, well, he shouldn't play. And I'm, and my immediate reaction was like, but, but why not? Like if the kid can play and he wants to play and there, and clearly like Ethan and, and the, and the, and the training staff don't think he can do anything worse to his knee. Right. It's not like he's going to play on it and it's going to like spring a giblet. Um, why not? I, I guess I, my, my question to you guys is how do you, how comfortable are you with him playing? Do you think it's a, a, a mistake um, either because you think that he's going to be limited or because you think he's going to be in, in some sort of danger? How do we feel about Kyle playing this week in Brooklyn? And Dave, we'll start with you. Look, I, I trust the, the training staff tremendously. Um, yeah. D Duck and Ethan. I mean, they're not going to send the dude out if if it's going to worsen things. So, I expect if Thursday comes and he's on the court, that means it's it's a mild sprain and it's a pain management issue. And if he can play through it, he'll play. And if he can't, he won't. Um, if he's not on the court Thursday, I don't think that means the season's over. Um, you know, it could be a slightly, it could be pain management. You know, it could be pain management. It could be any number of things when, when it comes to a sprain. There, there's many grades of a sprain, you know, which basically can mean tearing of the ligament. It's just a matter of how bad the sprain is. The fact that he came back in the Notre Dame game with, with the brace um, leads me to believe it wasn't torn. But, you know, the chance, 
We'll find out. We'll find out Thursday. I mean, the, the staff is under no obligation to inform us prior to then. Um, it would be a little surprising for him to, you know, for it to be worse than they said, given given their history. But well, and given they allowed him to talk to media yesterday too. Yeah, I, mean, I think exactly. that's the that's the that's the one piece to me is that like if they really thought he was hurt, he wouldn't have talked to us. He, they would have said like, oh, he's he's going to get treatment and he's not available. But the fact that he did talk to us and he, I mean, he was pretty like, look, it hurts, but I'm be I'm I'm a play and like, I kind of feel like in the big scheme of things. The, the decision will be made by Tony and the decision will be if he's playing, if he's, if he can do the job, just like it always is. Right. So like if, if he can't move laterally, then he won't play. Like that's, that's just a long and short of it. What do you think? Yeah. The, the way we play basketball, you're not going to hide it. All right. Yeah, you're, you can't not, you're not going to fake your way yeah, through, yeah, through true. a game with Tony. Yeah. So Ferber, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, we'll kind of see how that plays out. Um, you know, this tournament will be interesting just because, I don't really know how much it's going to matter to people in the grand scheme of things. Like how, you know, if, if Kyle does rest, um, you know, w- what impact does that have long term? I mean, I, I think he'll play. It seems like he's going to play. But, um, and I, I, I did think it was funny that <laughs> people were kind of like, why is he in the game? It's like, like Tony didn't have the authority to put him back in the game. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I don't really know, you know, what to expect as far as um, that first game. I think it's going to be tough. And, you know, we've seen teams make a deep run in the ACC tournament and not be able to follow it up in the next weekend. Looking at you, 2017 Duke. Um, But, yeah, I mean, honestly, right now, I think that Kyle's injury is something to keep an eye on, but I'm not necessarily worried about it. I mean, the fact that he came back in the other day uh, is – is promising and I think that you know he'll uh, that he's in good hands obviously I know UVA fans probably had a heart attack or or almost did when he fell down on the ground and it didn't look good but uh I I think that he'll bounce back and and they'll eventually be fine I think the bigger issue with him is not necessarily that as much as how his shooting has kind of dropped off in the last few weeks yeah I think that and honestly to me if he's going to be dealing with this, because I mean, realistically, even if he took this weekend off, right? Even if he didn't play between now and the first round of the NCAA tournament, he's not like that's not going to just fix um, a strained MCL or sprained MCL. Like it's gonna it's gonna need a little more time than that. And we know too, he's been dealing with that that disc in his lower back, which you know, time is the only thing that's going to help heal that. So I almost feel like, in a way, like you get him out there Thursday, you, you see what he's got. If he can play, he plays. And I mean, honestly. He's got to he's got to be able to to shoot the ball. I mean that's been the that's been the thing that that has let him down these last few games. Um, he hasn't shot it as well. I think he's shooting like thirty four percent from the field or something like that. Um, it's not it's not a it's not a question of whether or not he's hurt. The question is whether or not he can um, you know he can find his his uh, his efficiency again. And because I mean there was a time when Kyle got ready to shoot and I just picked up my pen because I I assumed it was going in. That those days are, I mean, it's been a while um, since that was the case. And I feel like the best thing for that kid might be to play in a game and, and see a bunch of shots go through the basket and get that confidence back in himself. Um, you know, and there were definitely times later in that, in that game Saturday where you could tell he wasn't really sure how much he should be pushing it. And so he was a little bit, um, a little bit hesitant to, to pull the trigger and that's not who he is. And so for a kid who gets a lot of lift on his shot, that I think I can see a knee injury really slowing him down. My question then, guys, is what do you what do you think Virginia does 
to sort if let's say let's say Kyle either can't go or cannot play uh, effectively, right? What would be your expectation for how Tony handles that in terms of lineups and in terms of minutes? Dave, let's go back to you. Yeah, I think it depends on the opponent. If you the first game, I would expect a little more Marco Anthony, but. You know, he also played around with Dre at the three, and it, it you know it was pretty good the other night. So, I don't know. My my guess is against Louisville, Florida State, you see a little bit more of the bigger lineup, and then, um, but he's always going to lean on guys he trusts. That's just Tony. That's just Tony. As much as I like to think matchup wise, maybe you see Marco in that first game, but when if if they get through that game in the event Kyle isn't able to play. You know, he's going to go with who he trusts, and it's, so it's going to end up being Ty and Devin and, and Dre and and Jack and Isaiah. <laughs> That's going to – you'd be a fool to pick otherwise, in my opinion. Tony's shown you that for all of his time here. You know, he's very big on trusting guys, you know, that have earned his trust. And those – with Kyle out, I would say those are the five who he trusts the most. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, like Dave said, I think it's going to be matchup dependent. Um one thing, one person he didn't mention though was Nigel Johnson, um, just because yeah, he did yeah. he did see some additional playing time when Kyle went out. Um, now I know, I mean, it was senior night and Nigel had already kind of gotten into the flow of the game, but I mean, I could see him getting some extended minutes. And then, you know, when Kyle's out, it kind of puts a strain on everybody else too. So maybe you see Nigel a little bit more in place of Ty, giving him a little bit more rest, or maybe you know let him play off the ball more. Um, and then, yeah, I think Marco, I was kind of surprised we didn't see Marco during the Notre Dame game, but, I mean, he's already played against Louisville, so if they play Louisville on um, Thursday, then I think we could see more of Marco. But other than that, like like Dave said, I think that you'll just see extended minutes for the starters. I mean, those guys were already playing a lot of minutes in the middle of the ACC schedule, and down the stretch they were able to find some more rest for them. But, yeah, I mean, now every game is an elimination game, like Tony said, after the game on Saturday. So I think that he's going to go with the guys that he uh, has been riding all year. I think that you you guys have really, I think, hit the nail on the head. My my expectation would be that Tony will go to, essentially, if if Kyle can't roll, then then that means more minutes for, for, for Dre. And what that probably also means is more minutes for Momity because they probably won't play Dre at the four as much. My question is: Is if you're playing Florida State, is Dre comfortable enough in that role? You know what I mean? Like he's he's kind of he's kind of fit in at this four spot a little bit more often than you know than than the than the three. Um, and I kind of I don't know. I I'm I'm very curious. I, I'm very curious to see um, what Virginia looks like when 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 Ty and Devin and Dre are the guards that they're leaning on. Um, it it would be especially if. Um, Especially if if they run into, I mean, because we 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 feel like we know defensively what Louisville and Florida State are going to do are kind of similar in a lot of ways, right? So, in essence, you're going to get you're going to get you're going to have a lot of matchups. I think that you can actually make some hay with. Um, the question is whether or not defensively, um, when you have when you have that one rotation where you've got like Nigel and maybe maybe Ty. And then Dre and Mamadi and Lord, they might, you know, it might be a rotation where you get Jack. Um, what what does that look like when you're trying to, you know what I mean? Like that's just a weird, it's not necessarily weird. It's just a lineup we haven't seen much of. Um, one of the strengths of this team is that they move in in concert so well and they they seem to 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 be on the same page so often 
Um, I, so I'm, I'm curious if in, of what any injury or what any change in that those kinds of rotations could mean for the for the sort of the big picture, because yeah, um, I, I, I mean honestly, like if you get Kyle back and he goes off, then you're like, oh, it's worth the wait. But if not, I mean, you know, he he could be in a in a situation where he plays spot minutes. You know, it's just you don't know. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the caveat would be why is he not playing Thursday? Is he not playing Thursday because one more day is going to make a big difference, or is you know is he playing Thursday because it's they're a little concerned he'll be able to go at all? So yeah. Yeah, I think if it's a, a game by game thing, Tony's going to do whatever lineup it takes to win that game. Right. That's just how he is. But it, I, I do think you know Tony sees bigger picture too. I mean, you talked about how competitive he was last week, but I think he knows now. It, it you know, I, I think he understands. He wants this team to to achieve. So you know, if there's a if there's a chance to you know, I, I hate to, I almost hate to say, it, <laughs> there's a chance that it's a, a long term reason he's not playing Thursday. Then you might see a different lineup than you would if it's just hey he needs a li- another day or two. Right, I, that um, makes sense. I'm a little jinx. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I need some like <laughs> some more. <laughs> need some juju yeah, to throw over myself. Some good juju. Um, well, I think that's a uh, that's a good place to put a pen in it for this week. We obviously we wanted to get something out before um, we left for the tournament, and I I wasn't really comfortable trying to record from from Brooklyn because who knows. Um, so uh, I do want to uh, once again say thank you to everybody who continues to support the show. Um, thank you to everybody who, um, if you found us through the podcast, give us a look at Cavs Corner. Um, you know, recruiting this time of year is, is obviously somewhat on the back burner, but um, I, I've got a lot of stuff in the uh, in the queue um, coming out over the next week or so. Um, t- started with the kid that I wrote about today, Blairim uh, Restremi, uh, Restemi, excuse me. Um, Albanian um, family, um, one of the nicest kids I've, I've interviewed in the 2019 cycle, who was absolutely blown away on his visit um, last weekend. Um, so, yeah, give us a look there. If, if, if you're somebody who from the site who, who listens to the podcast there, feel free to, to open up your podcast app on your phone, be it uh, iPhone or Android or what have you, and give us a rating. That actually helps us out a lot. Um, and, again, when all, as I always do, I want to say thank you to, to Dave and Fervor for giving graciously of their time um, on the show and putting up with my nonsense and uh, the technological struggles that we've seemed to have the last two weeks. Um, but again, uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.